Welcome to The Spotlight with the Ambassador and the Chief. In this program, we take a fresh look at some of today's challenges from the economy, education, politics, security, defense, and much more. You'll be prompted to see and think about things just a bit differently. Now, here are your hosts, Ambassador Harry Thomas and Chief Alex Morales. Welcome to The Spotlight. We are your hosts, Ambassador Retired Harry Thomas. And I'm the Chief Retired again, Alex. Hey, Harry, who do we have today, sir? Today we have Representative Charlie Crist, uh, who is also the former governor of Florida and running again for governor of Florida. Oh, wow. Sir, welcome to the spotlight. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. It's great to be with you, Alex, and Ambassador. It's truly an honor to be with a, a great former member of the United States Army and a, a great uh, member of the State Department and representative of our country around the globe. Thank you so much, and thank you for your service to our nation. Yes, sir. Thank you. So, sir, please tell us, why are you running for governor? Well, number one, I love Florida. Um, you know, I was born in Pennsylvania, but moved to Florida when I was three years old. Uh, St. Petersburg is my home on the West Coast, Tampa Bay. And I'm disappointed in the, the current governor. And it kind of breaks my heart every day to see what he's doing to suppress the vote, take away a woman's right to choose, make it difficult to get the pandemic behind us. Uh, the list goes on and on. It, and it's really, it, it's out of a love for my state and the people of my great state. That is awesome, sir. Uh, you know, I, I, we have to tell you, sir, that uh, I'm in Central Florida and uh, the ambassador is in Tampa, so <laughs> we are in Florida. So oh, you're kidding. Well, it's, no, it's, no. it's all, all the time today. That's great. That's great. We were talking about how beautiful the day was. It's about 80 degrees right now. <laughs> oh, man, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, you know, Florida's special. And like I say, I've lived here since 1960. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, the only time I had been out of the state uh, since then was when I first went to college. I went to Wake Forest up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I was a walk-on quarterback there. Okay. Um, but I missed Florida so much, I transferred back to Florida State in Tallahassee. And uh, But for law school, I, I've been here virtually the whole time, except for my service in, in the Congress now. Oh, wow. Well, sir, you, you were talking <laughs> about earlier the, the reason why you were um... – running for governor, right? And uh, yeah. and you're talking about how, you know, the, the things that he have uh, done wrong or we feel like he could have handled better. And how you will you handle the coronavirus pandemic, at least here in Florida or even uh, in the United States? Alex, it's a great question. And, and, you know, to me, it's pretty straightforward, common sense and simple. Listen to the experts. Um, do what President Biden is doing, frankly. Listen to people like Dr. Fauci and and don't mock them, which unfortunately, uh, Governor DeSantis has done. You know, he's he's selling stuff through his campaign. Don't Fauci my Florida, which is, is so derogatory and inappropriate. But you know, just listen. My father happens to be a family doctor. My sister is a physician. Uh, I'm smart enough to understand that you need to listen to experts when you're facing a crisis, uh, whether it's a hurricane or this pandemic. And of course, we get our fair share of hurricanes in the Sunshine State, but. But this pandemic is far worse. We've, we've lost 61, well, more than 61,000 of our fellow Floridians. That's more, to give it perspective, than America lost in the Vietnam War altogether. So oh, wow. it, it's been horrible. We were number one uh, when the coronavirus first spiked. 
number one, again, when the Delta virus spike. And frankly, it's because Governor DeSantis doesn't recommend using masks, doesn't promote using vaccines. He talks about medicines that you should take after you get it instead of preventive medicine, which is shocking. It's just hard to believe. But, you know, I would listen to scientists and I would listen to healthcare providers, nurses, physicians, et cetera, uh, and do what they recommend, which is two things primarily uh, to make sure that you're you're masked when you're indoors, uh, particularly, and make sure you get vaccinated and get your booster, especially with the new Omicron variant that we're having to deal with. It, it's not difficult. It's just having common sense and being not arrogant enough to listen to others. Well, thank you for those uh, answers. We understand now why Florida lags behind other states. But in addition to that, what else can we do to encourage more Floridians to get vaccinated? Is there a campaign that you recommend, sir? Absolutely. You know, and, and I've done it at every press conference I've had. Uh, advocating for people to get vaccinated, uh, to wear a mask, to social distance, you know, the things that, that we hear, you know, every night in national news. Um, it, when you're the governor of the state, you have a bully pulpit that is second to none. And if I were in that position now, instead of a year from now, with the grace of God, I hope, um, I would be having a press conference every single day in different parts of the state, every single day, from the panhandle of Florida to Key West, um, making sure that from Naples to Jacksonville and all places in between, we're repeating this message over and over and over again, um, because about 40% of our citizens in Florida are not vaccinated. That's 40% of 22 million people, which is an awful lot of folks. And as I say, with this new Omicron variant that's come on us in just the last couple of weeks, you know, the science is telling us, they don't know everything about it, but they're telling us so far that it's much more transmittable. Uh, it looks, hopefully, like it's not as, as serious in terms of the symptoms that it brings to bear, uh, but it certainly is more transmittable. And, you know, these kind of viruses affect different people in different ways. And just because the young people that have gotten it thus far haven't had symptoms that are, that are deadly, as, at least as we know as yet, um, you don't know what the future holds. And so a campaign that's every day all day uh, in every part of the state to encourage people just to do the right thing. And, you know, he actually signed an executive order that essentially said that when our children went back to school in, in August in Florida, public school, they were not allowed to wear a mask. Truth. <laughs> and the new Southern Surgeon General that he uh, appointed said that even kids who have COVID should be allowed to go to school. It's okay. I mean, that, that's what we're dealing with in Florida. It's, it's unconscionable. But if you have chicken pot, you can go to school, right, sir? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? I mean, it's the same kind of illogic. It's just remarkable to me. But, uh, you know, sometimes that kind of leadership comes to, to pass, and, and that's why I'm running. Um, you know, I, my Florida deserves better. My heart bleeds for her and, and our children in school and our teachers that are there. And, you know, we, I know we can do better. And, and the bar is pretty low, candidly. Wow. Well, sir, it is our understanding that you led the fight in Congress to for aid small business and, and veterans since the upsell the pandemic. Can you please explain to our audience what, what, what was your efforts about? Absolutely. No, and thank you for asking. You know, fighting for veterans and women, minority owned businesses across our state 
it's been a top priority since I was elected in Congress uh, back in 2016. And from my role on the powerful Appropriations Committee, which I'm, I'm blessed to serve on, I've been proud to secure millions of dollars to support veterans through Veteran Treatment Court that offers vets in need of support they need instead of jail time after finding themselves on the wrong side of the law. Veterans Treatment Court Act was signed into law in August of 2020 and establishes a program at the Department of Justice to provide grants, training, and assistance to help state and local governments develop and maintain veteran treatment courts and help millions of veterans. I've also been proud to be able to be successful in the fight for historic funding levels for community development financial institutions, which put loans within reach for minorities, small business owners, and underserved communities. And as part of COVID relief packages, proud to fight for SBA loans, small business administration loans, and multiple rounds of PPP loans to support businesses hurting at the hands of the pandemic. That's, that is great. Inspiring, sir. Uh, well, Florida, we have great public universities <laughs> and private universities, but our, our K-12 is, is starting to be found wanting. What are your plans yeah. to improve education opportunities and results for all Floridians? Many things. I, I come from a public education family. I, I went to public school, graduated myself from St. Petersburg High School, and as I mentioned earlier, Florida State University. And, and, you know, I think the key there is to make sure that we support our public education institutions. Uh, and I don't mean just financially, but in terms of letting local school boards make decisions that are best for their district. Again, the governor is imposing his will, as I indicated earlier, with his executive order to ban masks from school kids. And, and I think that's just disrespectful. Local government is important. Home rule is important. Uh, I understand that, having been governor before, that then are, there are many layers of government, and people elect local school boards, they elect local city councils and mayors, and the reason they do so is that those local officials uh, that are closest to the people probably have the best opportunity to govern the best, and make sure that you respect those office holders, uh, their constitutionally held offices, uh, and I think it's important that we do show them respect. We need, frankly, more respect and more decency in government now more than ever. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point, sir. Uh, I think we have <laughs> we have lost the way to disagree without being disrespectful, you know, that if you don't agree, yes, I think, what do you think we should do though? What do you think it's, we could do to, to better, I get create a better atmosphere in regards to that? Just come to my mind. You know, I, I, I think that's an excellent point and a great question, and it's a question for this moment in our history. Uh, and I go back to my upbringing, frankly, and and my my you know going to uh, you know church and and getting the education I did uh, in that atmosphere as well. And to me, honestly, gentlemen, it comes down to one rule. They call it the golden rule, and it, all it says is, "Do unto others as you would have done unto you." And I wear yellow wristbands on my wrist every day that say, practice the golden rule every day. And honestly, if, if each and every one of us would simply practice that rule of doing unto other people as you would have those people do unto you, uh, it's a teaching of Christ from the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's an old rule, but it's a good one. And it's so good, we call it the golden rule. I honestly believe in my heart and soul 
if we would practice that more in our society today. A lot of the angry, ugly uh, disagreements that uh, far too many get involved in, in the political arena especially, would would start to wane. Uh, But we have to lead by example, each and every one of us. Be kind to other people. Be decent to others. Uh, Make sure that you appreciate that everyone has a soul and we need to, um, you know, try to reach the, the better angels in all of us. That's great. Sir, oh, go ahead, Harry. Go ahead. No, it's all right. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to go and go back to, uh, you know, the Supreme Court is discussing the Roe v. Wade and could be overturned. What is your position yeah. on this most difficult decision for a woman? Well, it's, it's a very difficult decision, no question about it, but I support a woman's right to choose uh, very strongly. I was raised with three sisters. I'm an only son, uh, and I got it early on that uh, it's a very important to respect others' feelings, others' views, and others' decisions, um, but, but certainly, uh, especially women. And, you know, that's a very difficult circumstance that, that a woman could be put in, and I simply believe in respect. And you should respect a woman's right to choose uh, and make sure that that freedom is available uh, to her always. Uh, and, and I've always felt that way. And I just think it's the right way to, to do unto others. Many difficult circumstances can present themselves in a situation like that. And that's why it's so important for a woman to be able to make that decision about her body and her health care. Sir, you are the grandson of successful immigrants who started with almost nothing and realized the American dream. We have seen immigrant success stories repeated, but there seems to be hostility to immigrants in some quarters, especially in uh, Tallahassee. (laughs) What should Congress do about immigration reform? Well, a great question, and you're right. And and just to give a little background for a second, uh, my, my father's father, my grandfather, immigrated from the Greek island of Cyprus uh, when he was 14 years old in 1912. Um, You know, came here, couldn't speak the language, didn't have any money, didn't know anybody, um, but had the courage to come across the Atlantic Ocean at the age of 14. It it blows my mind to think about it. Um, My grandmother, my my father's mother, did the same thing uh, from uh, Lebanon, uh, immigrating at a very young age as as well, uh, around 1912. they both ended up in Altoona, Pennsylvania. My, my grandfather got a job offer in Ellis Island uh, to come to Altoona, Pennsylvania uh, for a job of shining shoes, making $5 a month, which is a month. I mean, it's just hard to comprehend, but he did it and he worked hard and he saved his money. He was frugal, eventually opened up a small cafe. He and my, my grandmother had seven children. Uh, they all got a college education. As I said earlier, my father became a medical doctor, uh, and, and they really did and were able to live the American dream. And one of the things uh, to, uh, to you, Alex, uh, that you can relate to, my grandfather, at the beginning of World War I, joined the, joined the United States Army, volunteered, served in oh. Europe, actually in Belgium, was honorably discharged, and because of that honorable discharge, was granted his United States citizenship something that he was forever incredibly proud of. And he, I guess he was like one of the first dreamers, if you will. And so a path to citizenship, I think, is, is critically important. You know, people come from all over the world to the United States of America, still clamoring to get in. 
Not in many other countries have that status. We still are the shining city on the hill. We still are the place where, you know, unfortunately, people on the island of Cuba go to sleep at night dreaming about being able to come here, to be free, to join their family members, many of whom are in South Florida. I believe in that. We need to have a immigration reform that is comprehensive uh, and make sure that we give people the opportunity and the right to be the melting pot that America has always been known for. And I think it's one of our greatest strengths to have people from Puerto Rico, as you are, Alex, or anywhere in the Caribbean or European or Middle East, like my, my grandmother, um, you know, those in the, that independent streak that exists in each and every one of those immigrants that come to the United States, they're freedom-loving, hardworking, dedicated people who have made America the greatest country on the face of the planet. Well, sir, sir, I think... Uh... A few said it's, it's, it's shocking to me how uh, shining on the hill, like you said, and people don't see it because immigrants here, in my yeah. humble opinion, do the job that nobody else wants to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. sir uh, uh, are you concerned about voting suppression and all these laws that have been going on, uh, people trying to apply? Very much so. Listen, you know, the, The foundation of a democracy is the right to vote. I had the honor and privilege, gentlemen, of serving with John Lewis, one of the greatest civil rights leaders in American history, uh, U.S. representative, God rest his soul, from Georgia. And he used to always tell me, he said, Charlie, you know, the right to vote is precious. And he said, it's so precious, it's practically sacred. And, you know, the notion that here in Florida, under Governor DeSantis, who signed the bill, um, it's going to be harder for our seniors to exercise mail-in voting. It's going to be more difficult for minorities to cast their ballot because they won't have drop boxes in minority communities throughout the state of Florida. That, that's anti-democracy. That's anti-senior citizen. That is not what we need to be doing as Americans. It's un-American to make it harder to vote in the United States of America. But our governor, Ron DeSantis, signed the bill last spring. He only allowed one news outlet to participate, Fox News, of course, uh, and it's unconscionable. Uh, and, and yes, it concerns me greatly because my grandfather, like you, Alex, was willing to fight and die for this country and that right to vote, that precious right to vote, that sacred right to vote that John Lewis told me about, And the fact that our governor would be fighting that right to vote is is pathetic. It's very sad, and it's wrong. Thousands of Puerto Ricans moved to the mainland following a hurricane. Um, do you have an outreach plan to them? How do you plan to outreach to other Latinos, to Haitians? Excellent question. Extremely important. You know, since launching our campaign back in May, I've been blessed to break bread and meet with the Puerto Rican community across Florida, primarily in central Florida, to hear from, you know, them issues that matter the most. And our campaign is fighting to build a Florida for all Floridians, where everyone gets a seat at the table. And that started on week one of my campaign when I sat down with Puerto Ricans in Orlando and heard from Cubans and Haitians uh, in Miami, uh, sitting down with Darren Soto, as a matter of fact, one of my great colleagues in, in the Congress a representative from Central Florida. 
and we're on the ground ready to do the work it takes to continue to be an ally to the community, all of these communities. This summer, I was also proud to unveil a new policy plan. Not if elected, I would establish the Office of New Floridians, a one-stop shop to help folks settle comfortably after moving to our state from other countries or parts of the United States. I think it's important to welcome people. And again, it's simply doing unto others. Florida leads our nation in new residents, but it has led to a rise in home prices that's preventing some from achieving, achieving the American dream of home ownership. How would you make homes affordable for the middle class? You know, we're really starting to see this issue uh, rise. Um, it, it's almost impossible for middle class people to purchase a home. Uh, frankly, it's very difficult for the middle class to find a place to rent. Uh, prices are exorbitant. Uh, and a lot of the reason is because insurance coverage has become that much more expensive. Uh, utility bills are increasingly rising throughout the state of Florida. And nobody's stopping it. Nobody's standing up for the consumers in our state. Certainly, Governor DeSantis is not. And he appoints what is called the Public Service Commission, and as I did when I was governor. And you appoint members that will review rate increase cases from utility companies, rate increases from insurance companies. <laughs> and the members of that commission have the power and the authority to not grant those rate increases. Under Governor DeSantis and his appointees to that commission, they routinely grant any rate increase that the insurance or utility companies in the state of Florida want to want to present. And the governor continues to take huge contributions for his reelection campaign from those very utility and insurance companies. I would stop that. I would not permit it. And as attorney general, before I was governor, I sued the utility companies. I sued the insurance companies on behalf of the consumers of Florida so that they would be treated fairly. I would do it again as governor and have the Office of General Counsel to the governor do the very same thing to protect our consumers. They deserve it and they need it. Great. Hey, sir, I, I want to go back real quick to the Latino outreach, if I may. Um, of course. Uh, one of the things that I saw, and this is my personal opinion, uh, was yeah. the, scare, the scare tactics, you know, saying, oh, you know, uh, socialism, communism, and 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 really trying to do that. How do you think you, you can avoid that same mistake uh, here in Florida? Um, well, I, I think I can do it because Floridians know me, uh, Alex. I, I think, you know, as I mentioned, having served as a state senator, commissioner of education, attorney general, then governor, uh, and now, of course, a member of Congress, I've gotten to know the people of Florida. Uh, they've gotten to know me. Uh, and we have developed, uh, I think, that trusted relationship. Uh, they know that I'm a capitalist. They know that my grandfather immigrated to this country from Greece uh, for the opportunity that capitalism provided him. Even though it only started at $5 a month, he was happy to get it because okay. it was so much better than what he was experiencing as a shepherd boy on the island of Cyprus. Uh, it is what makes the American dream possible and feasible. Uh, I prefer to call myself a compassionate capitalist uh, because I don't want to have profit at the expense of, of people's lives and their quality of life. Correct. But I know there's nothing wrong with making a profit so long as it's done by good companies who treat their customers fairly and do the right thing and live by the golden rule themselves. And, and that's how I know that uh, that kind of attempt to smear 
Democratic candidates, and at least in this election, it's not going to work. It is not going to work. Sir, do you have any other messages for Floridians as we head into the holiday season? Well, I just want to wish them a very happy holiday. You know, it's it's a joyous time of year. Uh, happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish friends. Merry Christmas to all our Christian friends. Happy holidays to everyone, uh, whether you're Muslim or, or whatever Hebrew you might might uh, practice as your religion. Uh, it's a time for all of us to come together uh, to thank God uh, for all the many gifts that have been bestowed upon us as Americans. We truly are a blessed nation, one nation under God, uh, and it's important time for all of us to reflect with our families and our friends and all loved ones uh, to thank God uh, Almighty so much for all the wonderful things that we enjoy as Americans and particularly as Floridians. Indeed, sir. Indeed. I just want to have one question, sir. What happened to the Florida State football? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one. That's the toughest question of the night. Um, no, actually, I'm encouraged. Um, I think that Coach Norville has got the program on a good track. I really do. Um, and, and I think that, you know, started off awful. You know, we, we lost our first three or four games and then started winning. Um, not as much as Florida State's been used to in the past under our, our greatest coach of all, Bobby Bowden, who I love, and everybody does. Um, but I, I think they're on the right path. I think they're, they're going to do a lot better next season. And uh, I'm encouraged for that for all my fellow Seminole friends. Well, thank you, sir. We, we are mindful of your time. I want to thank my, our mutual good friend, Rob Auslander, and his lovely wife, Melody, for introducing us. Uh, you've yeah. given succinct and important answers to our questions, and we hope that Floridians will be listening. Merry Christmas to you and your staff and all Floridians. Alex? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking the time to answer our question, and we wish you the best. And perhaps when you win, uh, you can come back. <laughs> well, I would love to. And, and from your lips to God's ears, Chief, I, I appreciate that. And Ambassador, thank you both for, for being great to public servants and doing so much for the United States of America and, and being such great, gracious gentlemen this evening. Uh, I'm grateful to you and appreciate it. Thank you. We are one last thing. We are really tired of people saying Democrats, progressives do not love our, our great country. So we're glad that you are underlining that, sir. Take care. All right. Take care. You too. God bless you. That was the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the spotlight with the ambassador and the chief. Be sure to join Chief Alex Morales and Ambassador Harry Thomas again on the Voice America Variety Channel.